I applied to 24 schools. I was thinking about taking a gap year. I think my experience would not be good at all if I was having to take even one or two online classes. Being online for basically all year now, it's just made me want to anticipate that great experience even more and enjoy it even more. What does it take to get a more in-depth look into the week's top local news stories? The Debrief brings you inside for a one-on-one conversation with our reporters every week, right here, right now. The Debrief. Welcome, everyone, to the Debrief Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Gorgiulo, in for David Ushery. If you're a high school senior or if you have one in your home, May 1st is likely the most important day of the year for you. It's often called Decision Day because it's the deadline for many high school seniors to accept admission to the college they'll attend in the fall. And now for the second year in a row, Decision Day has been totally changed by the coronavirus pandemic. And in some ways, it's even more uncertain than last year. We're going to hear from college-bound seniors about applying to schools many of them just couldn't visit in person, attracted to programs that may or may not be offered this year, We're going to discuss, given all that, whether college is still going to be the experience they dreamed of. I'm Natasha. I'm from Rye High School. Currently, I am airing down my list to about three colleges, and I'm waiting to hear back from two wait lists. Hi, I'm Alex, also from Rye High School. Um, I committed to Cornell uh, ED back in December. Hi, I'm Christian. I'm from Rye High School as well. Uh, I committed to Indiana about a month and a half ago. My name is Demir. I'm a senior at Nurshaw High School. And I'm still undecided, but I've narrowed my three schools down to University of Buffalo, Florida State University, and the University of Louisville. Hi, my name is Sebastian. I'm a senior at New Rochelle High School, and I've recently committed to New York University. Hi, I'm Olivia. I'm also from New Rochelle High School. I'm a senior, obviously. And um, I've, I'm recently committed to Bard College. Uh, guys, we're getting close to May 1st. You are the first class of high school seniors to go through a whole year of coronavirus. How has that made the process more challenging? I think that kids not being able to see their schools and uh, take see actual like tours and everything made a big impact. Seeing the school and hearing from a student there gives you such a different perspective on it. I think that without the SAT scores and ACT scores, it made more students apply, which lowered more like of the acceptance rates of other schools and so makes it more competitive. Were you guys in favor of dropping the standardized test in many schools or did you think they should have kept them? Well, I ended up not taking the SAT because of the amount of times that it was canceled at like the locations that I had it, which I'm sure is like a similar thing for a lot of students. So I was kind of in favor because I always think that like a test doesn't necessarily define who you are as a student, but I also think that it can help some students in some cases. So it's it's kind of like a toss up. Um, yeah, I kind of agree with Olivia, you know, it kind of didn't really matter, but it does have its positive um, aspects, which is when you receive your score and you actually did good, then you want to you want it to be considered. But I don't think it really mattered that much. These tests really favor students who are good test takers. Not everybody's a great test taker. And also, let's be honest, there's some families that have the means and the time where they can go and do test, you know, test prep for kids, which can run into thousands of dollars. And not everyone has got that opportunity. So do you think this is something they should keep doing? Or, you know, when coronavirus is over, go back to everybody taking the SAT and the ACTs again? 
honestly like the idea of keeping it optional because those who can use it as a strength, you know, for their benefit can have it. And those who don't want to use it or aren't strong test, test takers don't have to because it doesn't measure a student's intelligence. It doesn't measure the student as a overall student. I agree with Samir 100%. It really doesn't measure a student as a whole. And there's so many other factors that make a kid a good student, such as they could have a great GPA and be super strong in the classroom, but they're not a good test taker. I don't think that could completely discriminate them from a college. And a lot of people that are against having test optional, that only applies to such a small percentage of people where uh, kids not applying with the test is going to make their test not look as good. Natasha, I want to ask you, uh, how has this been a challenge for you? And I know you, you checked out Arizona State and you went to some other places. How has this been a challenge for you this year? Um, well, I only had one opportunity to take the SAT at all. And I had studied for the ACT for a whole entire year and I was never able to take it because all the tests were canceled. So I didn't live up to my expectations and being able to like not submit a test score really helped me. But applying to schools is a lot harder. Just creating a list of schools that I even wanted to apply to was so hard because all you could do was really read about schools. You couldn't go and visit schools and see what campus was like in general. And that was just super hard. Alex, I want to ask you a question. Uh, I understand you were the first in your family to go to college and you're going to Cornell. Cornell had an incredible increase in the number of applicants this year. First of all, congratulations to you. But what was it like knowing you were going to a school where now so many other people were applying? It felt great because, I mean, I actually really do like the test optional because I didn't submit my score. And I felt that it gave me an advantage because they could see me who for like a candidate that I really am instead of just my scores. And they saw like my, my essay and my extracurriculars and other things. So, yeah, it felt really good. So, you, you know, and again, uh, this is something I think the parents of high school seniors, we go on the website, we get so excited and you hear of and see all these fantastic programs. Did any of you stop to say, oh, OK, well, what if I get accepted at this school and then four months later, I'm doing it remotely on a laptop in my bedroom instead of being on campus? Uh, and and this is going to go on for another year. Did any was that a consideration for any of you guys when you applied? Just jump on in. Uh, sure. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I mean, especially uh, I have an older brother who's a year above me, so he kind of went through that whole freshman year of college at home thing because he decided to stay home. And he was supposed to be on the swim team. And basically, they didn't really have a team this year. And I'm also a swimmer. So I'm anticipating joining the D3 the D3 team there next year. So imagining, you know, like committing and being recruited and stuff, and then having all of those opportunities taken away is kind of a sad thing to think about, especially when you want to be a part of a team or, you know, a club or any sort of activity. 100%. Right. I want to ask some of the folks who haven't spoken yet. I want to we'll start... With uh, Demir, when you were looking at uh, at schools, did you ever say to yourself, "Okay, this looks fantastic on paper. I, I hope they have this when I go there." That thought was on my mind, and it did kind of give me a sense of disappointment during the application process. But I feel like seeing the class that was right before me, the class of twenty twenty, go into college and have to deal with the online process for the whole year, their freshman year. Um, I thought I saw a lot of positives to that experience because, you know, they had they weren't tied down as much. I know it wasn't as stressful and they were, you know, able to, you know, go traveling a lot more, you know, be a little bit more free. And I, I feel like, you know, either way, 
since I've gotten used to the online process, I'll, I won't mind it, especially if I can go on campus and, you know, choose to go online and when to go in, you know, stuff like that. Your generation has a certain idea of what college is, right? It's a beautiful campus. It's a, a lot of activities, a lot of clubs, maybe the chance to study abroad, a lot of work study. Has this experience changed the way you view what your college experience would be like? And Natasha, why don't you start us off? Personally, I like to look at like the hopeful side of things, thinking that going to a new school, even if there are some online classes, I'll be able to still get the college experience and be on campus and make new friends. Even if classes are still online, I want to be able to have that experience. So being online for basically all year now, it's just made me want to anticipate that great experience even more and enjoy it even more. Alex, how about you? Yeah. So when I heard that like classes are remote in colleges, I was thinking about taking a gap year, but then I thought I don't want to really delay my experience. And now that there are like our vaccines and stuff, we can progress. And now I don't really mind going to college. And if I have to take, like Natasha said, like one or two remote classes, I'll be completely fine. With Sebastian next, Sebastian, has it changed your view? Um, it has changed a little bit and also not that much because one, I plan on dorming. So I still will get like some sense of college life. But at the same time, it's like, let's say all the classes are virtual, then like that's definitely something I wouldn't expect. You know, like I would I would prefer to be in in person classes. But overall, I just feel like my life is still going to change some some way or, or another. It's just like a different new experience in life, a new chapter in life. So it's definitely going to be that in, in my expectation. Certainly will be. How about you, Olivia? I definitely agree that it's it's definitely changed my outlook. I just think the whole process, I never thought going into like last year and this year, you know, searching for colleges, that it would be this kind of experience. But I think at the same time with COVID and everything, it gave me a chance to really research the colleges in depth of like where I wanted to go because I had more free time because a lot of things were canceled, you know, that kind of thing. What's your thoughts, Christian? To be honest, I haven't thought about my experience with college or my outlook changing much. But listening to Sebastian and Olivia, I've been thinking that I'm someone who did not do well at all in online school. Like I went to school every single day I could this past year because I thought that was just a better way of learning for me. And I think my experience would not be good at all if I was having to take even one or two online classes for the next year or so. I could definitely see a slip in grade just because I learned better in person. I know a lot of other people agree with me. Oh, yeah, we love to be in person. But for me, I think it makes a much bigger difference whether or not. All right. And Demir. Going online this year, you know, it kind of was, you know, a little hard to adapt to. But I feel like I could manage online and in-person school either way. But what I do want to say is that managing it isn't really you're not getting the same result because when you're in person, you're more worried about the content of what you're learning rather than when you're online, just making sure that you submit assignments because you're in the comfort of your own home. So it's like you got to you're going to be a little bit more leisurely. You're going to approach things with a little bit more leisure than you would other things. So you know what I'm trying to say? I totally know what you're trying to say. And I think that's a really an excellent point about the different spirit between being in person and being online. I want to thank all you guys for taking the time to talk to us tonight and being so personal and letting us know. I think we've gotten a great perspective from you. I want to wish you guys all the best college experience. I want to wish you good luck. And uh, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Okay, thank good you. luck, guys. Thank you. Thank you. See you soon. Bye. Bye. 
Last year, coronavirus totally upended American higher education. By the time the nation went into lockdown in March of 2020, many students, though, at least had the chance to visit colleges they were interested in, and they also had the opportunity to take the standardized test that schools required. Well, that's not the case this year. And we spoke with Dr. Barry Norman, the co-founder and head counselor of Expert Admissions, a college admissions mentoring and consulting service. Dr. Norman, great to see you. Thank you for having me. Want to talk about this year's class, this year's seniors, because it was looking at even compared to all the challenges last year, this year they went through the entire process in the age of COVID. So from figuring out which schools to go to, schools that may have been remote already, uh, going through the process, there was a whole controversy over standardized testing, and now here we are. What's the situation? You're working with clients, and what are the schools' response? How do the schools respond to all this? Yeah, you know, this was really uh, like a test run year in a lot of ways. On the one hand, we have all of our experience and data to go on. And then on the other hand, we have to throw it all out of the window because everybody pretty much was test optional with just a couple of exceptions. Um, Students, as you said, didn't get to see the colleges that they were putting on their list. So we have no idea if they really liked them or not, if they were shooting in the right direction. Um, And with test optional, there was the, the issue of, not only accessing tests, but then if you were able to access tests, should you use test optional to your advantage potentially um, and apply to some schools that you never would have applied to before um, or would not submitting scores hurt you ultimately? And we didn't know how the colleges were going to behave. So we had to use our best guess. What do we know so far? So one of the things that we found is that if you can send scores, it's a good thing to do so. Um, not just sending any score, but being on the, at the upper range of a school's um, mid 50%. So just sending scores in and of itself is not what you want to do. But you really do want to approach for those students who are juniors now, um, students who are coming up ninth and 10th graders thinking about this. You don't in your mind say, well, tests are optional, so I don't need to worry about them. You should go in saying, I really want to try and give really, really good scores. And if I can't, I'll look at the test optional schools and strategize from there, which, by the way, is exactly what we did before the pandemic, because there were many schools that were test optional, although certainly not as many as there are today. Let's talk about what what the school's reaction has been. So big article in The Washington Post recently The most elite schools saw an incredible increase in applications. And many of it, as you said, is because of it being test optional, but huge increases. And yet they admitted a smaller percentage of students than ever before. These are some of our country's most elite institutions. Now, were they the outlier or did we see that across the board in the larger amount of schools? What we did see is that the more selective schools saw especially high surges in applications. Um, Test optional, generally, we know from before COVID, when a school went test optional, applications tended to spike in that first year in particular, um, and often in that second year, an additional um, increase, though smaller. And in this instance, we saw, particularly at big name places like Harvard and other Ivies, this surge because people suddenly said, I knew my scores were so terrible for them, not that they were terrible, 
they were net that my scores alone would have knocked me out. Now I don't have to send those scores. I'm going to throw my hat in the ring. Now, some of those kids were easy nose for places like Harvard and the Ivies. They were never getting in. But some of those kids are students who have beautiful transcripts, great extracurricular activities, are superstars, but their scores weren't out of this world. And they really had a shot. And some of those kids did get in. And so it was really sort of a psychology experiment in a lot of ways. Um, so we did see increases across the board, you know, but not everywhere. We saw a lot of small liberal arts colleges um, really struggle. And I've been getting emails from colleges saying, we're extending our deadline. They're obviously not meeting their numbers. And we haven't even hit Mar uh, May 1st, which is the universal reply date. Let's talk about another aspect. And this is something I know that, that you work with people on. You're trying to figure out what college is best for you. That's what a lot of our students are doing in these last waning hours before May 1st. But as we point out, in some cases, they haven't been able to get on campus. In some cases, the schools were all remote this year. So you get these great, you go on the website and it's like, hey, you can spend the year in Nairobi and Brussels. And we have this, look at our outdoor lab where we do this. And we have this program that works with the local police uh, department and it's a law and justice program. But you don't know if any of this is even going to be happening while you're there. How can you make a decision, Dr. Norman? How can you advise people uh, in, with all these uncertainties? Yeah, it's that that has been a real challenge. Now, one of the things that colleges have done since the pandemic is to really up their virtual programming. That has been a good thing for students, but it still doesn't match going on campus and feeling the energy and talking, getting access to more students as you're walking around campus or you can walk into a department and ask about how has this been in this COVID year and whatnot. So We've had to improvise. Um, some students have gone to visit some campuses, you know, safely. Some campuses are not allowing visitors at all. So you got to check that before you go. Um, but the issue of access to things is really an unknown. Um, places are saying that next fall is going to look, quote unquote, closer to normal. But no one really knows, right? I mean, look at what's happening now. It's a big question mark. Um, you know, the vaccine is getting into more arms, but there are variants and we're seeing surges that don't quite make sense. And so we don't know about the fall. We're hopeful. All right. I want to end with an easy question. I'm going to ask you about the future of college. <laughs> uh, but no, but seriously, I've been thinking about this because, and, and full disclosure, I have a, a, a college freshman at Stony Brook University and I have a high school senior uh, who's, you know, reaching May 1st, like all the young people we spoke to. And going through this with them is very different from when I went to school. School now really embraces you. They reach out and embrace you. you you're, you're interacting with them through emails. There's virtual events. They want you to feel part of the community. The schools themselves are offering. It's not just the year abroad. It's not just the specialized programs. It's the whole package. And it's everything. The, 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 the dorms are amazing. The, the facilities are amazing. But what is going to be, what's it going to be going forward? Are, are we going to be able to, are kids going to be able to have this again? Or do we have to accept that college may be different and may be hybrid? It may not be this all-encompassing thing that it's advertised to be right now. What's your expert opinion? You know, I'm guessing just like anybody else, but I've been following this too. Um, you know, what am I talking to my students about to, as far as what they can expect from the college experience going forward? Um, I do think that we're going to see some of this 
as we all know, some of the technology and some of these adaptations that we've made because of COVID, we found work pretty well. Um, and actually, we like them and we're going to keep them in some form. And I think we're going to see that on college campuses as well. I think you're going to see professors using more technology than they used to. They, they had to learn it, many of them who never would have, um, much like us, you know. Um, so I think that there is going to be more technology. I think there is going to be, you know, I don't think the hand sanitizing stations are going anywhere and, you know, so soon, um, you know, but I do think we're going to get back to having lots of people in rooms and we're going to have, you know, live lectures and we're going to have concerts on campus and kids are going to be able to have their parties without restrictions as they used to. But I do think one of the places we're going to see the most difference is actually in the classroom. And we will see some places doing hybrid. I think you're going to see that a little bit more from larger institutions, not, you know, not surprisingly. But I think we're going to see technology kind of more a part of the academic experience and college regardless. And I think in terms of the admissions process, that's a really interesting question. This whole test optional bit, um, is this here to stay or is this something that's going to be kind of pandemic and then we'll go back to before? And my expert opinion on that is that in general, that's here to stay. So you think we're going to see more admissions with less testing in the future? I do. I think we're going to see most, most, if not many, if not most colleges keep the test optional policy and, and really operate the way they did this year and the way that they test optional schools did before, which is that it is test optional, but that doesn't mean we don't care at all about tests. It means that we'll consider you without them and we will truly consider you without them, but we're also going to be interested in those scores that are being submitted. And we can see from the numbers this year, we've got some schools where greater than 50% of the applicants um, did not submit scores. And sometimes we see a similar uh, percentage of students who are admitted who didn't submit scores, and sometimes we see less. But we're seeing sizable proportions of the admitted class being admitted without scores. Dr. Barry Norman, I want to thank you. I don't wish you good luck with your students who you're advising this year. Thank you. It always works out in the end. We want to thank you for listening. And I want to thank our production team, Melissa Mack, Darren Price, and Ben Berkowitz. I'm your host, Michael Gargiulo. We'll check you out the next time on The Debrief. Thank you.